You've worked hard for what you have, your money, your assets, your 401k and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply. Welcome to Hashtag Gen Z. I'm your host, Megan Grace. Hey there, and welcome back. This is episode 27 of Hashtag Gen Z. This episode continues the conversation about Generation Z and politics. In the last episode, Corey and I discussed some findings from our most recent study on Generation Z voting in politics. We chatted about some of the social and political issues that are important to Generation Z, as well as what our research tells us about their plans to vote and their political ideologies. And while our research is incredibly informative, I love to juxtapose those findings with the lived experiences of members of Generation Z. It helps me understand how qualitative and quantitative trends in our findings resonate with the lives and outlooks of Generation Z. Do they actually lean left in their views? Do the issues we found line up with those that are actually on the minds of Generation Z? So I'm excited to share the conversation I had with the co-executive directors of Coalition Z. Durga, Josephine, and Charlotte are all still currently in high school and not yet eligible to vote, but they've committed their energy towards helping educate and engage their Generation Z peers in civic activities and political activism. I'm so excited to welcome three wonderful new friends to today's conversation, the executive directors of Coalition Z. And I'm actually going to turn it over to my new friends, Charlotte Durga and Josephine, to introduce themselves before we get started talking about what they do with Coalition Z. So welcome, everyone. Hi, I'm so excited to be here. My name is Charlotte Richjack, and like Megan said, I'm one of the co-executive directors of Coalition Z. I am a junior in high school in New York. The reason why I got involved with Coalition Z originally is because I love all things kind of history, politics, civic engagement um, centered, and I found Coalition Z and then ultimately met Durga and Josephine, and we became executive directors together. So Awesome. Thanks, Charlotte. Uh, And thank you, Megan, for having us. Uh, It's such a pleasure to be here. So yeah, again, I'm another executive director um, along with Jasmine and Charlotte. And through Coalition Z, I feel like I've made just a lot of connections. I've put so much of our time into this. And I feel like that's probably one of the my biggest involvements. Um, and especially right now with all the time on our hands, there's a lot that we can do surrounding activism. And something that interests me a lot is diversity issues and fixing those in our education systems, particularly, which is um, one of the main things I've been working on, especially in terms of my own school. I'm Josephine O'Brien. I am also a junior in, in New York City, and I'm also a co-executive director of Coalition Z. And Coalition Z has really shaped all of my interests in high school, and it's really gotten me involved in progressive local politics. And right now, I'm really working on a lot of local, like down ballot progressive campaigns, which is really where I'm spending a lot of my time right now. But Coalition Z has really stressed to me the importance of young people in in politics and how politics isn't really can strictly be defined as like elections and policy, but really is like communities and people coming together to like shape what is around them. And um, Coalition Z really taught me that. 
So we've thrown it around a little bit and I think the the name is amazing, but could you just give our listeners a quick overview? What is Coalition Z and what is the organization's main priorities and some of the main things that you all focus your energy on? Yeah, so Coalition Z, as our name suggests, um, is focused on Generation Z. And basically our goal is to organize youth and organize our generation to make the changes that we want to see. and all, one of the biggest issues that we're, we're facing um, is voting within youth populations and how um, peop- generally kids are less, not kids anymore, but um, kids and uh, teenagers are less involved in politics and government, often because of the, like, basically education and lack of it. But then again, people are very interested in get, becoming a part of, of um, the political scene and, and yet do not have the resources to do so. So a lot of our goal is to give people resources to make change through like toolkits and different and how to host your own voter registration drives and different events that we run through the year to get people involved with policy and with elected officials to feel involved and to have a real voice in everything that's going on. Yeah. And just adding on to Durga, I think our unique way of looking at youth politics is that we consider ourselves a policy organization um, and a policy-oriented organization. So what we do is we we work with a lot of community-based organizations um, to partner and work on issues together. Um, Because something I think is really important, something we've talked a lot about together, is we don't want to be doing the work that other people are already doing and have been doing for years. So what we try to do is we focus on getting our generation involved in policy and work with community-based organizations that have been doing this work for a while from the policy end. So what that means is, as Durga was saying, we do a ton of voter outreach. We also work on pairing young people to political candidates, and we work on influencing candidates' policies. And then we work on um, trying to get our progressive platforms implemented on different levels. So in general, just to sum that up a little bit, it's about like connecting young people and their elected officials to make these connections and make these policy and implement these policies and then working to implement these policies through policy work and like the toolkits that Durga was talking about. That's wonderful. I think the work you're doing is so incredibly important. And my research partner and I recently just wrapped up a study on Generation Z voting and politics and perspectives. And the policies really do matter. And I do credit a lot of the work that you're doing because when we're looking at Generation Z that are maybe disinclined or don't want to vote or aren't registered to vote or don't plan to vote, a lot of it comes from an education perspective of not feeling informed enough on policies and elected officials. So I think the work that you're doing will continue to be incredibly important, especially this year as we're moving into an election year. Um, We are in an election year. That's wild to think about. But in just a few months, we're going to really be starting to think about how this election is going to take shape. And so I think a lot of people are going to be looking at Generation Z in terms of being our youngest voter block. And, you know, some of you aren't even old enough to vote yet. And you're doing so much work to support elections and elected officials and policy. From your work and your experiences, what do you think are some of the most important policy issues and social issues to Generation Z when it comes to to politics and government? I think that a lot of the issues that we're focused on right now are issues that directly affect our generation and direct and will directly affect our generation in years come 
um, that may or may not have been not fully addressed by the government in previous years. Like, as you probably know, climate change is a really huge issue um, among our generation because we know that we're going to be we're going to be the generation that's going to feel that's going to feel that's going to be living the longest for for lack of a better word. So we're going to be the generation that's going to be feeling these effects into the future. Gun control has always been a big issue for our generation because like s- school shootings affect our generation and then also I think something big in our generation is always considering the intersectionality of these issues and how they affect some groups more than others like climate change disproportionately affects like low income and like indigenous groups and I think those are really issues that resonate with young people because they know that these are issues that affect our generation and will be affecting us into the future all of what Josephine said, I think is definitely true. I just wanted to add on, I think the perspective that a lot of young people take when it comes to politics, you know, this generation has grown up in an era where schools are crazy underfunded, where we're dealing with this climate crisis, where income inequality is so visible on so many different levels. People don't have access to insurance. There are so many systems that are supposed to support young people in their upbringing that aren't not that not only are they not strong enough but for a lot of people they aren't even reaching them so i think you know a lot of that has to do with partisanship and how american government just works differently now um, than it did a few decades ago but the effect of that has been swinging a lot of young people further to the left and demanding that we kind of change the system that has failed them. A lot of them has failed a lot of them. So that's why there's this emphasis on putting new people into office, on changing laws, on, you know, coming out to the streets and protesting. But I think there's this new level of engagement because so many young people have felt these issues on a very personal level. Josephine talked about some of those personal levels, but what we do at Coalition Z is so many young people had this desire to be engaged because they've felt the consequences of political ineptitude, um, but they don't necessarily know how to start or where to go. So at Coalition Z, we're creating these opportunities for young people to kind of bridge the gap between the policy that impacts their lives and their own um, forms of action. If I may jump in super quickly, something Charlotte was just speaking reminded me of something I saw actually recently on um on TikTok, actually, and someone was comparing the our generation with like the baby boomer generation and kind of talking about how our generation really was like raised in crisis and how like while the baby boomer generation started with like World War II, we started with 9-11 and like the following like war on terrorism and it started with this like early, early access to violence I remember one of my first memories watching TV was about like the financial collapse. And that was something that many members of our generation were always more very aware of from a, from a young age. And I think kind of adding on to what Charlotte was saying, what this little video showed me was that like our generation has consistently experienced a lot of national issues and have seen them firsthand. And I think that's kind of mobilized us to action. I can agree with you. I think there's certainly a lot of people want to say that one generation is like another generation. And it's really hard to do that because the world just changes so much between generations. And that's essentially how generations are developed. But you bring up this idea of of crisis and um, 
for baby boomers and silent generation and the generation that came before them, the GI and the great generation, they're, they were raised in crisis, but they saw crisis very differently than I think young people today see crisis because crisis existed, but it didn't feel like it could be very well in your backyard because the way that we're able to tune into technology. And so, you know, you bring up the war on terrorism and you bring up everything that has happened in terms of war post 9-11. That is something that we've been able to see very real footage of. Whereas way back in uh, like in World War II and wars before that, you might get some of that on your news, but it's very rare because people don't really have access to television like they do today. And you might get something in the newspaper. And so I definitely agree with your, your point in that, Yes, all generations have their element of crisis, but how they're exposed to that crisis has a huge impact on the way that they react to it. Um, and I, every day, am amazed by your generation and the way that you can look at such mature content and in some ways, in some ways, very scary and frightening content and say, how can I be a part of making it better instead of running away from that problem? And I really do commend you on that. And I'm so excited for your generation to become um, in these spaces where you are leading the conversation but you've mentioned a few times about, you know, politicians, elected leaders, government officials. When it comes to Generation Z, what do you think that this generation is looking for in political leaders and government officials? So I feel like with government officials, um, a lot of what we're looking for, as you, you've seen with like the rise of people like AOC and like the squad and others, is a real progressive movement and far left leaning for the most part, um, and wanting to see concrete change after inaction from both parties for so long. So supporting progressive candidates has been a lot of our platform recently, but also just giving people the ability to understand and form their own political views, because often in our in our schools, we lack the civic education needed to, to form those opinions and to, to come up with concrete ideas about policy and about elected officials. So giving people resources to understand how to form their own opinions and what these people are actually presenting if it's as so it's not just their personality and how many advertisements they get that gets people elected, but rather um, the policies they they truly support and um, the agendas that they want to promote uh, for the welfare of people. Yeah. Quickly adding on to that, I definitely agree with everything that Durga said, but I also would argue that what Generation Z wants from our elected officials is honestly pretty similar from what I think previous generations wanted from their elected officials when they were coming of age, coming of like political age and like civic age or whatever. Um, I think it's basically they want elected officials who are engaged in their communities, who are like doing the work who are listening to their communities, who are members of the communities, not outsiders, who just like come in for photo ops and events. I know just like a little quick anecdote. I know a lot of a lot of young progressives in New York support um, Jamal Bowman in the New York 16 congressional race because a, a big thing that he's been pointing out about the incumbent who's running is that the incumbent is never in the district. He basically lives in Maryland. I think people want people in the district and also people who will listen to these new ideas and will listen to the new views that Generation Z has. And I think that's a pretty universal desire with younger generations when they're getting into politics. I think obviously it manifests itself differently now because Generation Z looks at the world differently than like, say, previous, like like the generations of the 1980s did when they were coming of age. Obviously we look at it differently, but I think it's the same universal desire. 
Yeah. Just to add on to that quickly, I think that when we think about the kind of disconnect between young people and those who are elected, it's really important to think about it on a generational level. There's so many differences between Generation Z, uh, things that Josephine pointed out, living in this kind of environment of crisis, but also things that you, Megan, pointed out about technology and how uh, technology and social movements, I think, have really changed um, the values of this generation to be inclusive and um, to amplify voices that haven't been amplified before. And I think that the value system is so different between young people and then the mostly, you know, mostly baby boomers and older people that have been put in office. Um, And that's on a political level in terms of the policies that they advocate for. But that's also, I think, on a um, on a value on a value uh, level. So that's why young people are excited by people like AOC and Jamal Bowman, like Josephine said, Charles Booker, all these young progressives who are promising something that's so different than the kind of standard status quo politician that's become so ingrained in what our democracy looks like. So you all bring up the fact that you've even identified it, that there is a disconnect right now. And some people, we've even seen it a little bit in our research, that some people in Generation Z are a little checked out by politics and government and the whole political system. From your perspective and experiences, why do you think that is? Yeah, I think that the reason, honestly, the main reason for this is that there's an educational crisis um, in our country. I saw a statistic yesterday from the Pew Research Center that said that only 6% of young people are asked at school to register to vote. And, you know, all the data proves that if you're registered, you're more likely to vote. If you vote in your first presidential election, you're more likely to become a lifelong voter. So these things start at a very young age, and they often start when you're in school and you're you're receptive to kind of the civic lessons. What that is to say that young people receive their civic education, or they should at least when they're in public school, when they're receptive to the lessons of what it means to be a good American citizen. Um, But when that civic education is not delivered to children, there's no, you know, the opportunity has passed and there's really much less that you can do with a young person after they've left left your school uh, system. So I think we need to really reassess how we teach young people. And there's no reason why someone should come out of a public school system or any school system and not know how to engage with the democracy that they've basically been taught off of. So that is to say that everyone should know how to vote whether it's absentee, in person, they should know when to vote, where to vote, how to vote. These are things that should be covered by our school system and that should be followed up on. And there's really just not effort there. And if there was effort there and if people recognize the opportunity, um, and this is all intentional too, uh, then I really think that that could be groundbreaking. And just the other thing is I think that if people who, who kind of understood how to reach young people, which often is through social media and the internet and found young people where, they, where they're where they at. I truly believe, and I think Durga and Josephine believe this too, and there are a lot of other organizations that uh, share this belief, and that's why they do the work that they do, that this can be the generation that votes. This generation is more connected and you know the interactions that people have from across the country, online, across the world, whatever it may be, that's all opportunity to create a generation of civically involved people. Um, if they had the information. Yeah, just really quickly, Charlotte, I I definitely agree with 
everything you just said. That was really good. I think um, another reason why we see a lack, I guess, of civic engagement besides um, education is going back to the fact that our generation has been through like crisis after crisis after crisis. And if you're being like, if you're in a frontline community that is affected by this crisis, it is it is easy to just like be be focused on that and and not really pay attention to politics because having the ability to like spend free time working for candidates is a privilege in a sense where like if you your family is being affected by all these crises like that's not necessarily something you can not everyone can do if that makes sense so i mean i think i definitely think part of it i think education is incredibly important but i also think part of it is that our generation has been through so much and at some point there's only so much that people can focus and handle um and i think education makes it better to like make sure that this information is easily accessible for everyone because then like the barrier to learning is also its own issue but i I think there there are lots of issues and i think that's probably one of them so you've talked a lot about areas where there's certainly gaps and i agree with both of you that there uh, are some major educational opportunities that we have in, I, I truly believe schools should be the place that your civic education starts and that is just the beginning, but you should be able to leave high school with all the tools um, that you need to not only vote, but be a good citizen in our country and in a variety of different avenues for doing that. Beyond that, and you, you've touched on some of the, the social media and the technology aspects of it. What do you think are some other ways that we can encourage members of Generation Z to get politically active and register to vote and actually go out and vote? For those who are listening, what would you suggest to those people um, to help encourage Generation Z to get to the polls? Well, first off, I think that something that's been like a tactic that I that's been used on a couple of political campaigns that I've worked with, but I think is super can be spread widely is the idea of relational organizing, which is that you're the most influence that you have over people is within your own network. And then your own network builds their own network. And then that network builds its own network. And then you have a huge network of people who all feel in, who feel comfortable within their own network and will do the work because they're working for their own network. Whereas say, if someone you don't know just like goes in and starts like talking to you and working with you, yeah, you might be receptive to them, but it's definitely not the same as if your friend reaches out to you and asks you if you want to work with them and work on developing this project and work on helping people vote and work on civic education. So I think part of it is really, really tapping into existing networks of people and existing communities that have developed and partnering with these communities and um, working with them to get this information out into their networks. And then even more informally, just working with just people like you know people you meet and having them spread information and work on organizing their networks and then eventually have that spread out to other networks if that makes sense yeah and just to add on to that i think at coalition z we kind of think about voting policy in a policy in a policy like way and then also in a social like way um in the policy sense uh, voting is way harder than it should be, uh, even in states like New York and California that are deemed really liberal or inclusive or whatever it may be. It's 
so much harder to vote than it should be. Um, even now, there's a primary election on Tuesday here in New York, and a lot of people have been unable to request their absentee ballots. And we just got early voting this year because of a ton of lobbying work that happened for decades before that. So we need to dismantle the restrictions to voting and we need to make it easier for all people who are able to vote. You know, for all of American history, voting has been restrictive and it's nothing new, but it's also remained a problem uh, because of, you know, it prevents outcomes. Um, And then in the social kind of way that we think about it is how Josephine described relational relational organizing and then also kind of using social media and the internet and finding young people where they are through mass media campaigns or education campaigns or whatever it may be and getting those resources to people so that they know how to vote, uh, the process of voting, where to vote, when to vote, and then actually turning out. Because to be quite honest, a lot of the information is just not widely circulated. And so there have been this year a bunch of campaigns like here in New York, there's um, funded by the mayor's office um, called NYC Votes. And they've created an ambassador program where about 30 young people across New York City boroughs share information about voting over their social media. And that's to create peer-to-peer connections that surround like civic engagement and voting to spread information because it just really isn't there. Um, no, yeah, completely. Uh, just to reiterate what like Charlotte and Josephine said, and also add that I mean, so many organizations are going out of their way um, to help this because a lot of basically a lot of things are lacking in the infrastructures that exist for young people. Um, so that like our friends at Rock the Vote are using like this vote tripling tactic that I'm sure you've like heard about or discussed, but it's basically pledging to to tell two of your closest friends that they must go out and vote. And then they go and, and do that to their two closest friends. And the fact that having each person go and and change two other people's point of view and then also have them go and get out the vote at such a minuscule level, how that escalates at such a large scale is really important to note um just making sure that people understand that their that their voice truly matters is is the most important thing when discussing with young people about it i think everything that you've shared is absolutely spot on and very creative but also very attainable i think anyone listening can recognize the way that they can play a role in encouraging generation z to become educated on civic engagement and voting and actually go out and do it so i want to thank all three of you for the wonderful insights you've shared Um, but i like to wrap up every interview and every episode with asking my guests what their favorite thing about their Generation Z peers are. So I'm really curious to hear what what you all might share about this. I think my favorite thing about our generation is how many people who I know and something I really admire in a lot of the people I know is our ability to balance being, being young and being kids and having fun with also really tackling head-on incredibly serious issues like I always see these tweets that are like Gen Z kids will like joke with their friends about how they like can't order food and then go out and like organize protests or something and like I think that kind of sums up something I really admire because although we are a generation that has dealt with so many issues like first of all 
we're we're handling them, we're organizing, we're doing the work. And that's something I really love about so many members of our generation who are really doing the work. But then also, like, I feel so many of us still have the time to balance with, like, really trying to still be kids and, like, have fun. I agree with you. There's like, there's a lot of flack that they're like, the 16 year olds aren't changing the world yet. I'm like, they're, they're being 16, let them be 16, but also they're going to school you on like major social issues. So I think that Generation Z is such a good blend of, of both of those things of being incredibly educated and eloquent on important issues, but also remembering to like have fun. And as you said, be a kid or be a young person, you're like, you're allowed to do both. And sometimes I think older generations forget that. Charlotte, Durga, what are some of your favorite things about Generation Z? Yeah, um, I would say this is a little similar to Josephine's, um, but I would say that my favorite thing about Generation Z is how passionate everyone is. You know, I've lived in a few different states and I feel like, and in a few different locations and in a few different environments, that's all to say that I've just like lived in different places. Um, And I have constantly been impressed by how passionate and how involved young people are on a lot of different things, on a lot of different levels. So there are people that are super involved with politics. There are people that are involved with like mass human rights campaigns. There are people that love doing research um, and do more STEM related uh, kind of activities. But the common thread is how much passion um, young people bring to these activities. I think a lot of older people will criticize young people for uh seeing them as lazy or seeing them as being on technology too much or whatever the older criticism is. And for better, for worse, Generation Z has grown up a lot faster than other generations have. We've been exposed to a lot more at a much younger age. Um, It's a little hard to live in the bubble of your life because of the internet and because of media. And I think that's given Generation Z a level of passion and enthusiasm and commitment to just be involved with whatever they find interesting. Some older generations um, may not have had uh, because of the access to information. Um, And I just find that really inspiring. And it's been, I've loved having the conversations with my peers that I've been able to have about what they love to do and why they love to do it and what inspires them to do what they do. Yeah, completely. And I feel like for me as well, what I've seen in my peers is that people were all so connected, you know, with the blessing or curse of what it, what it is, is, is social media really getting people to question themselves and question their own views um, by being exposed to so many different sources of information. And um, with the news, all the, although we see many issues with how things are portrayed today, having groups um, of people who can come together and understand topics and understand and try to make sense of what what is going on the world in the world and and make sense of it together and also tie it back to our own experiences um, and just connect with people all over the world I think has also been such a vital part in shaping Generation Z's identity is in that we have we're connected to people from different states and from different countries and people who we would have never ever gotten gotten the chance to speak with like I'm sure it would have like to be connected with you is one amazing thing um, that we wouldn't have gotten the chance to do and I think that being able to share and converse about ideas and policies 
has just shaped us in such a different way that I'm I feel that other generations haven't gotten the chance to experience especially as they were younger um, and becoming and coming of age you know and and that has been shaping us everyone on a personal level and then also in the scope of our generation I agree with all three of your statements and Durga to your point you all have the ability to be connected to people around the world in ways that other generations, like you mentioned, have, would never even dreamed of. And in some ways, I think that is going to be the thing that helps you all change our world too, is that you see the world as one big community. You see not just your state, you don't just see our country, but you see the, the fact that we play a larger role in, in something much bigger than ourselves. But I want to thank all three of you. You are just absolutely wonderful. You give me so much hope that good things are on our horizon and that Generation Z is going to be leading the way. And I thank you for for being here to share your time and to share about how older generations can support younger generations and how we can create a little bit more political harmony when it comes to trying to to utilize our, our avenues for civic engagement to create a better world. So thank you. Thank you for having us. Durga, Josephine, and Charlotte's work with Coalition Z is something to be applauded. Even if you don't agree with their political ideology, you have to commend their commitment to encouraging civic engagement and the ways they work to involve their peers in political activities. While their focus is engaging on Generation Z, I can't help but be motivated and inspired to encourage others to become more civically involved. So, if you haven't yet, please make sure you register to vote and make your voting plan if you're eligible to vote in the United States. Voter registration can be completed online and you can find out more information about your state's deadlines and requirements at vote.gov. That's V-O-T-E dot And again, I want to thank my wonderful guests from Coalition Z. Their passion is apparent and their work is important. And they've given us a glimpse into the perspectives and values among Generation Z in regards to voting, government, and politics. If you want to learn more about Generation Z related to voting and politics, our Voices on Voting report is available for free online. You can access it on my website, meganmgrace.com, as well as at thegenzhub.com. And if you want to learn more about Generation Z beyond voting and politics, Corey and I recently released a series of online courses about Generation Z. These courses are designed for people interested in learning about Generation Z and developing strategies to best work with and engage members of Generation Z. You can tailor your learning experience by taking one course, a bundle of a few, or completing all 10 head to thegenzhub.thinkific.com to learn more and register for courses. And for a special discount for hashtag Gen Z listeners, you can save 15% on all courses and bundles by using the code GENZPODCAST15. That's GENZPODCAST15, but I'll include all of this in the show overview on my website. If you enjoyed this episode, please rate, review, and subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. Season three will continue with some deeper dive conversations into some of the social issues important to Generation Z, such as the environment, safety, inclusion, and more. But if you have a topic you're interested in learning more about or a member of Generation Z that I need to chat with, please head over to my website, meganmgrace.com, or you can find me on social media to drop me a quick note. Thank you again for stopping by for this episode. Let's continue this conversation and we'll chat soon. Everybody got their 
spread the word. The JCPenney Friends and Family Sale is back. And this week, we're passing the savings on to you. Use your extra 30% off coupon to prep your home and style your family for Easter. That's extra savings on top of our great low prices. Plus, share your coupon with everyone you know and love. It's always better when we save together. JCPenney, make everybody count. Offer valid 311 through 317. Exclusions apply. See store or jcp.com for details. You've worked hard for what you have. Your money, your assets, your 401k, and home. Isn't it all worth protecting? Nearly one in four consumers have been a victim of identity theft. LifeLock Ultimate Plus helps protect your finances with up to $3 million in reimbursement. LifeLock alerts you to identity threats you might miss. And if your identity is stolen, your dedicated U.S.-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let LifeLock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on LifeLock Ultimate Plus at LifeLock.com slash aware. Terms apply.